pronounce Billy Joel. Billy Joel. Billy Joel is not my lover. He's just a guy that sucks at singing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You're not going to believe this, but that's literally the first joke I had written in my notes to start this episode with. Was I that? Could, I could show you to you right now. <laughs> like it says, sing Billy Joel is not my lover. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny because we didn't talk about that. No, not at all. Did you know that Anthony Bourdain used to fire any employee in his restaurants who was caught enjoying a Billy Joel song? That's awesome. Rest in peace, Anthony Bourdain, for being a badass. So do you remember in the Depeche Mode episode, we talked about classical music a little bit and how not only do we not know anyone who would say that classical music is their favorite genre, we also don't even know what kind of person would say that. Sure. In 2018, Billy Joel said that he only listens to classical music. So it's Billy Joel. He's the one who says classical music is my favorite genre. This is like a child that does finger paintings saying that Jackson Pollock is their favorite painter. Yeah. Okay, cool. But you still, you suck at painting, little kid. And keep painting, but like, you're not good. I love Beethoven. That's cool, dude, but you, you suck. I do love that when you'll, you'll read a band's press release or bio or something, and it'll list some of the bands that inspire them. Mm -hmm. And it just sounds nothing remotely like what they're doing. It's like, yeah. well, yeah, you listen to good music. That's great. He said that in an interview with the great David Marchese of Vulture, that dude has been getting all those wild interviews from people lately. Later in that interview, Billy Joel talks about how Rick Rubin wanted to work with Billy Joel, similar to the Johnny Cash American recording. <laughs> That's exactly where my head went. Can you even imagine <laughs> what that would sound like? Right. Stripped down rootsy Billy Joel coming at you. Jesus. Straight from the heartland. Good God. Thank God that never happened. I would have loved for that to happen. It would have made this episode <laughs> so much easier to do if yeah. he had made that album. Whole episode only on that album existing. All right. My first question in the Billy Joel episode how did it work when one of the Muppets went on to have a whole separate music career like this? Does Jim Henson get a cut of all Billy Joel's royalties? You've seen pictures of this guy in the 70s, yeah. right? The only thing I can't figure out is if he's the kind of Muppet where someone's dangling him from some strings or if he's the kind of Muppet where someone has their arm all the way up his ass. Mm. But I know a Muppet when I see one, damn it. I'm going with you up the ass. 100%. I mean, that seems like the kind of guy he is to me. He's got more of an arm halfway up my ass personality yeah. than a I'm dangling from some strings. Like David Bowie would be a Muppet dangling from some strings. Sure. No, Billy Joel for sure is the Muppet with the hand up his ass. This motherfucker looks like Michael Keaton Fuck Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> it's true. Christy Brinkley was a babe, dude. Yeah, Billy Joel didn't deserve any piece of that. That's bullshit. Why yeah. did she? I mean, I mean, what did she see in this guy? People say that they like it a lot when we give recommendations of better artists to listen to. Uh, if we start doing that right now, it could be the rest of this episode because anyone that I can think of is better than listening to Billy Joel. You should listen to Beethoven. This guy's favorite Beatle is absolutely Paul McCartney. His favorite Beatle might even be the band Wings. <laughs> If you think of Billy Joel as like a musical filter for anything that's maybe more complicated or better written and just stripping away all the layers and just leaving the most basic things right down the middle there. That's pretty much it. I mean, and then there are so many artists who do the things that I think people believe Billy Joel is doing. Joe Jackson, everyone needs to go listen to the Joe Jackson song, Another World. 
I know everyone's heard I'm the man. They think they're covered on Joe Jackson. They get it. But go listen to Another World. It's 100 times better than anything Billy Joel ever did. And Joe Jackson never would have made you watch a music video as bad as Billy Joel's You're Only Human, Mm -hmm. which starts off with a kid thinking about killing himself by jumping off a bridge. But then Billy Joel shows up to save him like the ghost of Harmonica Past launch into this whitest version of Prince upbeat pop song about how it's all going to be okay. I'm moved. Moving to the trash can. This should be a career-ending mistake. Everything he does should be a career-ending mistake. Uh, Emmett Rhodes is an obscure name that should be said in this episode. Two albums, a self-titled and mirror. Emmett Rhodes, E-M-M-I-T-T-R-H-O-D-E-S. Honestly, the Billy Joel song, Moving Out, it's one of his most popular songs. It sounds enough like the rhythm in this Emmett Rhodes song called Mirror that I would be shocked if Billy didn't lift it after the drummer pointed out Billy's first melody sounded too much like Neil Sedaka's laughter in the rain. <laughs> Todd Rundgren's first four solo albums came out before anyone cared about the name Billy Joel. Listen to the song Range War, that is songwriting. At this point, I would say you should probably listen to anyone else whose first name is Billy. <laughs> Just go through the Billys. Yeah. Billy Idol, yeah. uh, Billy Eilish. <laughs> Billy Holiday, Billy Ray Cyrus, Billy Squire, Billy Bob Thornton has a band, I think. I haven't heard it, but I've never actually listened to that. Can't be this bad. <laughs> I assume it's trash. I think the best thing Billy Joel ever did was the Disney movie Oliver and Company. You ever see that one? I must have at it's, some point. It's dogs. Uh, Billy Joel does the voice of Dodger, who's a streetwise street dog, and he tries to steal a rope of sausages from Oliver. <laughs> And then they sing a song while they're running around in traffic. That's great. Yeah, I definitely have seen that. I got to assume Huey Lewis wanted too much money or something, so they let Billy oh, Joel do it. Man. How many opportunities did Huey miss out on? There's a strong argument to be made for you should listen to every band that Billy Joel is trying to sound like. And it's not a matter of bands who influenced Billy Joel. I'm talking about bands that every time he went into a recording studio, he tried intentionally to sound like someone else. And he tried so hard that he probably pulled a muscle a few times. Mm. These are not obscure artists either. It's everything that was on the radio. Harry Nilsson, Leon Russell, Todd Rundgren, Elton John. The song Star from David Bowie's Ziggy Stardust album came out in 1972, precluding any need for Billy Joel to have a career. (laughs) He could have just quit then. It would have been totally fine. The thing about this with Billy Joel, the whole derivative thing, is his fans get very pissed off when you call Billy Joel derivative but it's not like this is some trumped up charge being leveled at an artist who does not deserve it he's derivative on purpose he's not doing this shit on accident and it's insane that anyone would think that you're trying to see something that's not there when you call billy joel derivative again these are people well they're people who listen to billy joel first of all (laughs) true i don't know how you could not acknowledge the fact that he maybe was influenced heavily copied and i'm not calling billy joel derivative as an insult either i'm making an observation of how a derivative he is it's a fact well he has said as much not necessarily he has said he has, as much he has yeah. also said that maybe he was writing very simple music uh, that's not a slight well, that's just reality this is a guy who went to work as an actual lounge lizard piano player when his early recording career didn't work out mm-hmm. so if you're gonna try telling me he was honing his skill he didn't decide to just go make songs that sound like all the songs people were requesting in the piano bar because if he didn't do that he's a moron okay and it's 
sounds exactly like that's what he did. Well, that's what he played every single yeah. night. This is what people want to hear. I of, should write yeah. stuff that sounds like this. This is a one-two step worth the finish line of this thought process yeah. here. <laughs> play this shit four nights a week. Oh, I wrote a song. I mean, it's going to happen. You're going to write... You, you can only play the same song so many times before you start writing similar song. Basically, you just get sick of playing that shit and you're like, well, I mean, I can write something like this and watch me. Or I can take the chords of this song and reverse Rever them yes. and that's a different song now. <laughs> that's exactly right, yeah. I'll move them down a key. Billy Joel even <laughs> tried to use Elton John's band to record an album. Mm -hmm. He's talked about how he tried to make She's Always a Woman sound like a Gordon Lightfoot song. This is not a theory of mine or my opinion. Yeah. Billy Joel will tell you who and what he is. Or just go listen to the song just the way you are off The Stranger and then listen to the song I'm Not In Love by 10CC. It's like, what do you think's going on here? I do have some quotes from a 1980 Billy Joel interview with Rolling Stone. Quote, bad reviews don't bother me, but a lot of these critics are looking for art. End quote. Later he says, quote, People who are looking for art in rock and roll or pop are looking for something that either doesn't or shouldn't exist there. An artist <laughs> is a guy with a beret who sits in a park and paints pictures and he starves in a garret somewhere, end quote. The thing that gets me, though, the thing that he says is different here is art shouldn't exist in pop music. <laughs> like, if you thought any pop music that you liked was art, I'm sorry to tell you that it is not. Yeah, none of it's art, but... Pop, what, is short for popular? So he's saying all popular music, regardless of genre, is just not art? I think he's talking about pop as a genre, not pop as the pop charts. Okay, real quick side note. Um, I have had very long discussions in my life, unfortunately, about what is art. Oh, good. I'm really excited to actually send the person this exact moment of this podcast. Oh, because, yeah, we could talk about this. Because the, I would love to talk about what makes, what is the quote-unquote definition of art. What is art? Well, you have to keep in mind, this is a guy who has a background in classical music. So he's basically saying that his career in pop or rock or whatever you want to call it, he's basically saying it's bullshit. All mainstream music is bullshit people do for money, is what Billy Joel is saying. Now, we don't even have to get into whether or not I or anyone else agrees with that statement, mm. but it is interesting how much he's revealing about himself in saying that. Him saying that doesn't mean it is or isn't true, but it does mean that he thinks it's true. Mm. So he thinks that everyone who makes music like he makes only does it for money, because why else would they do it? Surely not for artistic reasons or creative reasons. I'm all about arguing for some pop music being art. I do personally think that some pop music is art. I think pop music can be great. Mm -hmm. I think it's offensive of this guy to say that shit. Do you think, how many piano teachers kicked him out of their class? If he was like classically trained, he's an abject failure of a piano player. He would tell you that he wasn't going to make any money as a classical pianist. Well, obviously, because he sucked. Pianist. <laughs> Dick joke number two. Essentially, Billy Joel has disdain for his chosen artistic medium and disdain for the people who love it. Disdain for the art yeah. of making music. He, well, of pop music. At what point does something become pop? So is Elton John pop? Because that's like pretty complicated, complex music that's not simple and generic and milk toast bullshit well elton john is definitely pop is that art billy <laughs> is this art is what elton john does art i think he's just saying most people are dumb that's fair but i think he's also 
a dipshit. He's saying most people are dumb and I want to make something they will like so that they will give me their money. It sounds to me like he was pissed off because he just tried again to suck himself off and he failed. Hey gang, it's Tyler breaking in here. We wanted to commemorate our Beethoven episode with a little something special. So go to shop.yfbspod.com to pre-order our newest t-shirt. It's terrible. I designed it myself. I think one of the worst things about Billy Joel is how self-aware he is. There are far too many of his lyrics are about what we've been talking about. If you read between the lines of all his songs, the message is essentially, I'm a hack and a faker, but I know it, so that makes me better than you because you think you're not. It says more about him than it says about anyone else. All he's done is mapped out everything he hates about himself and projected it onto the rest of society. There's so much self-loathing here about his own inability to do anything original. It's all he can see. I'm only doing this stupid shit for the money. Therefore, everyone's only doing it for the money. I can't do anything original, so nobody can do anything original. I think that is called narcissistic personality disorder. It's something like that. It sounds like a little bit of, if I can't do it, no one can. I remember talking about this in the Radiohead episode a little bit, how nowadays it's difficult to call an artist out for being a ripoff or being overly derivative or even getting sued. That's why we were talking about it in the Radiohead Mm -hmm. episode because of the Lana Del Rey and how everyone was missing the fact that Radiohead ripped the song off from (laughs) the fucking Hollies. Right. So call anyone out for plagiarism now. Straight up plagiarism. You call someone out for it, what you're going to get is about 50 serious music fan reply guys talking about how it's impossible to do anything original anymore and everything's a ripoff of something else. And there are only 12 notes in music. There's only a certain number of notes But those notes, with just 12 notes, there's still like some mind-boggling amount of of possibilities to write. Even with just six notes, a billion possibilities. People who think you can't write an original song, you like unoriginal shit. That's the problem. (laughs) The problem isn't that it's not possible to make something that's original. People do it all the time. Other people are listening to original music. Your problem is you have a very, very narrow idea of what is good. So once you've decided something is good, you only listen to further iterations of that thing. You have a narrow taste in music. That's your problem. Shut up. Quit projecting it onto the rest of us. The same problem with Billy Joel. I can't do anything original. Therefore, it must not be possible for anyone to do anything original. Therefore, I will dedicate myself to purposefully imitating other artists. We could talk about that interview now. There's an old interview where he basically says this. I wanted to be a rock and roll star when I was a teenager. Now I'm 27. I want to be a good musician. You can find this on YouTube by searching Billy Joel interview 1977. Should be career ending. I think, you know, I thought about this actually a lot on the way over here. Do people actually watch interviews of the artists that they like? Because I don't believe that they do. Or they're very forgiving of the idiot bullshit their favorite artists say in interviews that we just go watch. It sort of falls under the Mark Mosley rule, never meet your heroes. Never never watch an interview with your heroes. People, well, because back in the day, interviews used to be heavily edited. You know, it would be in print. They're going to make you sound smarter than you are. It's going to be fine. Everyone's got your back. Your publicist is probably writing most of these answers, honestly. I was going to say, also with writing, you, you lose so many things. Nonverbal communication. If you stutter in an interview, but it's written, they can edit it really easily. They can't do that in a video interview. But now, 
anyone can just interview whoever they want to on a video and it's on the internet that day mm-hmm. everyone gets in trouble everyone the first wave of video we're still seeing it people just running their mouth in a video interview because they don't understand how this shit works now <laughs> old people like the interview that meatloaf just gave good god sounds like a moron right <laughs> it's like dude you should not have done this interview in no. this year it's maybe been 30 years since you've done this but shit has changed it is way more of an unforgiving if you're a fan of someone now you're just not very likely to go type their name into youtube and start watching hours and hours of interview footage sure because it's almost never gonna go well that's why finding that old interview where you actually get to see what he was like not just words on paper where you get to when you're reading something you are pushing on your idea of who he is and how he's talking and how he's saying it. When you're reading, you get to choose the tone that you read the words in. And you can give them the benefit of the doubt. And well, you don't know like if they were joking when he said that or what. Video interview, you there's none of that. You just get to experience who he really is. When you're watching it on video, you're just like, oh, this guy is a fucking asshole. Yeah. It's like, oh my God, how does this how does he survive this interview? It's only three minutes long, but this <laughs> is, makes him look like a dumbass. Three minutes long, yeah. It's three minutes of him looking like a complete moron. In this interview, he's talking about how Elton John is obviously the definitive piano rock musician. Elton really broke the piano pop barrier, and he became the, uh, the definitive piano rock artist. I don't remember if this is specifically in the interview, but he would be talking about this because of how frequently Billy Joel was compared to Elton John. He says it. He says... From people rightfully saying... Right. He says... And anybody who became known after him was compared to Elton John. And motherfucker, you're gonna keep getting compared to Elton John (laughs) if you keep writing songs that sound exactly like Elton John's songs. So in this interview, he thinks he's gonna get smart because Billy Joel's sitting at a piano... This motherfucker tries to demonstrate the styles of piano players who he gets compared to, Elton John and Leon Russell. He's trying to show how different of a style Elton John has as a piano player by playing Benny and the Jets, and he gets confused. Which song he's playing, yeah. You can actually see the moment when he gets confused that he's not playing his own song, Big Shot. Yes. The muscle memory almost takes over and forces him to start making it the part from Big Shot. I don't play the same way he does. Elton's style is is, uh, very rhythmic, you know. He actually is, you said it to me and I listened to it. I didn't watch it first. You can actually hear the moment where he forgets which song he's playing because they're so close. After that happened, he plays something that he thinks sounds like Leon Russell before playing what he says is an example of how he, Billy Joel, plays piano. And what he plays sounds nothing like any piano that's ever been on a hit Billy Joel song. My style is probably, uh, it's more five finger. More movement stuff. Um, I I took a while for people to to get away from using the Elton John comparison. I think it's pretty much died down at this point. Mm -hmm. I hope so. Please. Please, give me a break. Give me a break. It's honestly amazing to watch because he's such a good con artist is what he is. (laughs) Billy Joel's a really, really good con artist, and I'll give him that. But he realizes that he fucked up by playing that Elton John part that sounds exactly like a Billy Joel part that came out years later. He realizes, oh, fuck. 
there isn't a Billy Joel style of playing <laughs> piano. And my style is probably... I have no idea what I'm gonna do. Not only did I just accidentally play the Elton John song that sounds the most like one of my biggest hit songs, I also have no fucking clue what I'm gonna play when it gets to the part where I have to say, here's how I play. It's almost like when he went into the interview, again, because it's video, it's not forgiving. There's no takesy backsies in this video. It's a video interview. And he became a mouth breathing moron. Even when he was playing the other stuff, he played it as if, oh, let me just show you. And he sloppily oh, played yeah, it. Yeah. He's, he's always, everything was so sloppy. Because he's trying to make it sound dumb. Yes. He's, he's insulting yes, them. Yes, that's what he's doing. Yeah. He literally, if you watch it. Uh, or like Leon Russell is another guy he used to get comparisons to. Um, and he's more like gospel, you know? All right. Ooh, you know. I know you're not this dumb. You're talking like a dumbass, and then you're playing the piano as if you've never played it. I mean, Elton John's kind of like uh, I don't I don't even know like duh, 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 duh. like I mean that's kind of what it is, right? Basically, strawmanning Elton John's piano playing. Plays other people's stuff as if he's never played it before. Spare me, dude. You're the guy that had the fucking job in the fucking piano bar. So yeah, that's the you thing. You know these fucking songs. So when he does get to the part where he's supposed to play piano like Billy Joel, play piano like he himself plays it what he does is rips off this most impressive ragtime piano bar gimmick lick that he can think of again it sounds nothing like anything that's ever been in a billy joel song i just can't imagine what it would have been like to be the person interviewing him this is actually the last music interview i think i'm ever gonna do in my life because what the fuck am i doing here this is one of those moments where I'm assuming just like so many other interviews, the interviewer's just like, oh yeah, yeah, okay. What are you gonna do, push the guy? You wish they should have done? Like, hey, well, that's weird. Did you just, <laughs> did you just play Elton John or did you play your song? Which Elton John song was that? Why are you sloppily playing these songs that you know obviously so well? Neil Young is a guy like that. He, he writes on the piano and I don't really think he knows how to play the piano when he, you know. so simple and fresh i would never write anything like that because it's too simple it's too obvious assuming this person had a passing familiarity with the artist they were asking him about this had to be so uncomfortable to watch it was uncomfortable to watch after the fact this is the level of awkward <laughs> that would change your gender forever i would think like if you were in the room and you witnessed it you would be like fuck i'm a woman now <laughs> this is it I, I'm this, done. the only way i can respond to this is by changing <laughs> my gender i'm done here's the other thing about all of this though meta commentary on this little piano demonstration that billy does is that it's built on this fallacy that people listen to billy joel songs or elton john songs or leon russell songs to hear some really kick-ass piano playing. That's not the case. These people all just happen to be piano players. That is the instrument that they sit down at when they sing the songs that people came to hear. Yeah. People don't give a fuck about their piano playing. No one's going to an Elton John concert waiting for the solo. <laughs> you know, I can I can sing with my mouth every guitar solo on Appetite for Destruction. Sure. Those are solos that an instrument takes that stick with you and are the reason why you listen to the song sometimes. Mm -hmm. That is not in any Billy Joel or Elton John or Leon Russell song. Agreed. Nobody cares how good of a piano player you are or aren't, dude. This is pop music. You said it yourself. So what is all of this? <laughs> What's this little demonstration about? <laughs> it's you just 
just have to watch it. I highly recommend if you're a fan of Billy Joel, you watch that and you realize what kind of moron that you have worshipped for the last hundred years. Yeah, this guy is the Bud Light of music. Period. I just think he just is like the most generic person on earth. I think everything from the way he, his whole physical appearance, the way he dresses, the way he acts, the way he talks is like the most down the middle possible thing you could be. By design, I would argue. Intentionally, yeah. I'm going to 100% never rock the boat with anything I do in my entire life. Be middle of the road, bullshit, milquetoast, generic music, and be huge. You can take everything that was better, simplify it, dumb it down, add the most generic, even shittier lyrics than were shitty ones before, and be a megastar. People will put you on a pedestal so fucking huge, you'll be untouchable. As far as I can tell, that's kind of the formula for doing it. Yes. It kind of seems to be what everyone does. Yeah. This isn't a you can do this thing. It's a this is how it's done thing. Get a chair. Yo, do me a favor real quick if you're listening to this podcast. Which uh, you are. You're obviously f- listening to this podcast. Oh, you think they're listening to the podcast right now? They're still listening. <laughs> yeah, I Yes, they're listening, yeah. We really need you to subscribe. Wherever you're listening, hit the subscribe button. Definitely make sure you're subscribed. We've got merch now. What, shirts and pins and stickers and stuff? Yeah, on the website. Go to our website, yfbspod.com. Just do it. Just do it. That would be a good slogan for something. we should make a shirt. Okay. (laughs) This derivative thing, this inability to be original, is also the reason why there are Billy Joel songs where he sings the entire song in a fake accent or enunciates his syllables in some way that he doesn't do in any other song. This is the reason why this guy has a fake Irish accent in the song, The Downeaster Alexa. Go listen to The Downeaster Alexa if you'd like to hear Billy Joel do a fake Irish accent for a whole song for no fucking reason other than the fact that this guy is a piano bar act. If somebody talked like he sang, he'd be like, are you okay? Why do you pronunciate every word? Why is every word so perfectly sang and sung and talked about like this? If somebody in my life or I met someone that talked like Billy Joel sang, I would be so weirded out. Some of the songs, it's as if he's singing and talking like this. Every word is spoken clearly and obviously, and I don't even know. I'm just saying words perfectly. He does a lot of syncopation, and it's like he's contorting his lips into strange shapes to make certain mouth sounds that he thinks make the words sound different. Again, I would argue that this is probably, on some level, an attempt to not sound too much like the source material. You know? Yeah. No one sings like this, so I'm going to try this shit. Right. It's like writing with your left hand when you're trying to disguise your handwriting. It sounds like his vocals are super comped together because if he enunciates every word perfectly, it would take a lot of breath. <laughs> yeah, they could just chop it in like every take in perfectly and it sings like this. This is going to be a long ass episode. I just realized that we haven't even started talking about Piano Man yet. Oh, this is the Piano Man. Billy Joel is the Piano Man. This is a documentary song. It is. It's a biography. It's a very meta song for Billy Joel to write. Sing us a song, Piano Man. How about you don't? This is his first hit. Go listen to the Elton John album from 1970 called Tumbleweed Connection One Time. And then ask yourself how many times you think Billy Joel listened to that album (laughs) while recording this song. 
Mm. It would make sense. The most obvious joke I could make about the song Piano Man is it should have been called the Harmonica Man because of how much bullshit harmonica is in this song. Why did that have to be a thing? And I forgot to look this up. Does Billy Joel ever do that harmonica in a rack thing? I would assume. While he's playing, he also does the harmonica part. (laughs) Without ever seeing it with my own eyes, I would bet my right testicle that yes, he has. Does that make him look more like Darth Vader or less like Darth Vader? I don't know, but if he didn't, I'm really going to be bummed because I just bet my right testicle that he did so the harmonica playing he probably played this harmonica part himself I forgot to look that up too but whoever played this harmonica part is a terrible harmonica player (laughs) it makes Bob Dylan sound like little Walter yes it's terrible it's rough and I think it's worth mentioning also that this song is a waltz that's what makes it sound like a pirate song a waltz goes one two three one two three one two three one two three pirate songs those sea shanties if you will those are all waltzes drunk people in bars love a fucking waltz buddy waltzes sound drunk the perfect song to stand up and like drunkenly wobble around the room so if you know someone who's susceptible to nostalgia or perhaps getting sentimental and weepy after they've had a couple drinks Mm -hmm. not gonna name any names but mark mosley's a lot like this (laughs) yeah i have a problem with that if you take a look at their music collection you're gonna find a lot of waltzes they drink a couple sherry's throw on (laughs) the waltz compilation and it it gets fucking weird man it but the thing is is it's empty sentimentality it's just depressing because these people do this every night yeah i think when you do it for a job all the time you see a pattern when you play waltz so it's like uh being in a cover band and you notice every time you play journey everyone stands up and sings along and then you decide you're gonna be your own band well what are you gonna do exactly you're gonna write the songs that everyone you see every night respond to the kind of songs that will be requested of you to play in the piano bar are these empty sentimentality weeper waltz songs these are people who are drinking in a fucking piano bar all everyone's damaged goods in a piano bar we should go ahead and dedicate this episode i can't imagine how much it would suck to work in a piano bar for so many reasons sure but one of them would be how often you'd get people asking you to play billy joel songs well and also what sucks now is if you're a piano bar player and you write your own music you're forever going to be compared to billy joel 100 of the time the rest of your godforsaken life you could be the biggest pop star, biggest musician in the world, and they're forever going to go, oh, you are a piano player in a piano bar? Kind of like Billy Joel. You might get a job there and be fine when you start. If you think working retail in the winter and hearing Christmas music for a few months is rough, imagine working in a piano bar every night because it's a piano bar every night okay and if you've never been to a piano bar you go yeah you should go it will make you be so grateful also if you work in a piano bar i'm so sorry for reminding you <laughs> about how much your life sucks right now <laughs> your shitty that, life that's rough i'm sorry about this yeah but everyone else this will make you feel better because it, it could get worse if piano bars were a good positive experience for people a that worked there b that played the piano or c that actually went and then there would they would be everywhere the reasons why there aren't that many piano bars is because at some point in the night people are crying guaranteed people are crying at piano bars at least once a night you know i've never looked this up but the correlation that i personally have noticed and i've been around is college towns tend to have piano bars really yeah 
every huh. college town that I've ever been in has a piano bar. College kids are real depressed, y'all. Sure, yeah. Like way, way depressed and binge drinking. When you play a waltz, they're gonna go, oh, we should sing, dance and cry. Play wrecking ball. <laughs> People cry at fucking piano bars, dude. They just do. <laughs> People don't cry when they go see cover bands. Anything else. When you go to a piano bar, someone is crying. And they're just the ones who have it together enough to get out to a piano bar. Imagine how many more of them there are at home who have plenty of money to spend on albums were someone to take this experience and bring it to a major record label. The song Piano Man is what would happen if Cat Stevens was just trying to bum you out about the meaninglessness of life instead of trying to make you feel okay about it. Like, it's okay that life is meaningless because then you can define your own meaning and build your life around that mm -hmm. until you die, which, yeah, that's meaningless. The other side of that is Piano Man. And the, the other thing about Piano Man is the whole point of the song is how great Billy Joel is. I know. Have you ever paid, you know, that like if you pay attention to these lyrics, the point of the song is, gee, Billy, you're, you're so great. It's funny. The song is about how everyone in the piano bar is always coming up to him and telling him he's too good to be there playing for them. Mm -hmm. The owner of the bar needs him so much or else this place would probably go out of business for being empty. Hear the lyrics. It's a pretty good crowd for a Saturday and the manager gives me a smile because he knows that it's me they've been coming to see to forget about life for a while. Is this song a limerick, by the way? Uh, and the <laughs> piano, it sounds like a carnival and the microphone smells like a beer and they sit at the bar and put bread in my jar and say, Man, what are you doing here? The point of this song is you are so talented and awesome, Billy yeah. Joel. The whole thing revolves around Billy. It really does. People are buying him drinks. We've referenced it a few times without explicitly stating it. If you're not familiar, this song is supposed to be essentially a documentary about the period of time in which Billy Joel got his record contract. His first stuff didn't sell well enough for that to seem like it might even continue to be a thing. We're all in the mood for a melody, Billy, just not yours. So he moved the hell to another city and got a job slumming it in a piano bar for a while and then wrote this song. And these are all supposed to be real people who really came into this bar. So again, like go read these lyrics and think about the fact that this is a song about real people who are really like this. And that's what we're saying about piano bars. And it's really strange that people want to listen to this song. You know, it's attached to a nostalgic memory in people's brains because it even invokes that in the first lyric of the song. You know that guy, Michael Ian Black? Mm -hmm. I think one of the worst things is when someone tries to copy our material from this podcast. Tell someone about something we said. You're not going to get it right. It's just not going to be funny, you know, so I'm not going to attempt to relate any of this at all. But if you hate the song Piano Man or you're just able to laugh at something funny about it, you should go look up this piece that Michael Ian Black wrote for the website McSweeney's. And I'll just tell you the title of it. What I would be thinking if I were Billy Joel driving to a holiday party where I knew there was going to be a piano. <laughs> oh, man. It's real annoying how close Billy Joel came to being a one-hit wonder. Yeah. Piano Man was a top 40 hit, but it only made it to 25. And then his next singles tanked. So it looked like he just came out of the piano bar scene and was gonna... Flash in the pan. Of, yeah. Five minutes of everyone paying attention to him for doing something based on his true story or whatever. And then, <laughs> okay, but you can't do this for real though. So like go back down. His single, The Entertainer, barely made it into the top 40. It hit 34. And his label was actually thinking about dropping him. 
real fast for anyone listening to this who knows they hate Billy Joel because of the hits and you've never gone any deeper than that, you should really go listen to the song, The Entertainer, because it's probably the purest distillation of Billy Joel. Like, this is <laughs> Billy Joel, this song. And the point of the song is to be all self-aware and smart about himself and the music industry and his role in the music industry. One of the lines is, I won't be here another year if I don't stay on the charts, that kind of thing. Mm. I mean, it's almost like begging people. I don't know. Like, come on, y'all. You gotta, <laughs> don't fuck this up for me. Like, keep buying my stuff. Let me stay in I'm this I'm the entertainer, business. guys. Ha, 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 ha. Come on. Ha, ha, ha. None of the instrumentation on this song makes any sense. There are, yes, synthesizers all over the place. Also a pedal steel guitar and a banjo for some reason. You throw enough shit at the wall. And you gotta understand this is a fan favorite song. This isn't some me picking the worst Billy Joel song. Right. Even though that's what it would sound like to someone who's not a fan. Fans love this. This is what people who like Billy Joel like about Billy Joel is this. Well, these are also people that like the song Piano Man. So, But then he follows this up with <laughs> The Stranger, which leans super hard into the fuck it, I'm the straight, boring version of Elton John. Let's do this. The Stranger. The only thing I think about that is uh, that uh, it was like a horrible, not horrible, it's actually kind of funny thing where like they used to say like you sit on your hand until yeah. it falls asleep yeah it's funny. funny i had i heard this my whole <laughs> life but then it's actually in a movie i think it's in gone in 60 seconds okay uh james Kahn's kid makes the joke maybe i can't uh, remember what his name is sorry scott con maybe um yeah the stranger is where you sit on your hand until it falls asleep and then rub one out yeah it's supposed to feel like someone else is doing it yeah thinking about that makes listening to the song the stranger a lot more bearable <laughs> it makes it more enjoyable yeah it's just a terrible idea because that doesn't sound appealing it only sounds the appealing move to people the song no the move okay uh it just it sounds appealing to people that maybe have had never had bad experiences or something i don't know well, I used to have a lot of downtime in hotel rooms. I mean, I've tried it. It doesn't really do anything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this still my hand. It's just asleep. And this is awkward. It's just some dumb shit you say to your friends when you're in 10th grade, you know? Yeah. This is actually, that's what I mean. Like one of you still hasn't hit puberty and you're trying to see if he'll laugh or not. That kind of thing. I think if somebody were to say it to you in a non-joking manner, like, no, you really should do that. You would definitely think that person was completely inexperienced at life in general. You should try it. No, really. Now. <laughs> <laughs> right now in front of me <laughs> wait do i hear him to fall asleep what's going on here i cannot stress how important it is for anyone upset about this episode to make sure they've listened to at least five harry nilson albums before they have a heart attack ack, 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 and send us some hate mail <laughs> She gonna know it. 1972, Son of Schmilson is probably the best Harry Nilsson album to make my point. Listen to the song, You're Breaking My Heart. Billy Joel wishes he could, all right? He wishes he could. The 1977 album Nilsson is also scary good. Basically what happened with Harry Nilsson, I don't know if people know this, is he started hanging out with John Lennon when John Lennon was in the middle of his I'm just going to get real drunk all the time phase. Mm -hmm. And both of them were drinking way too much in by 1973, let's say. And Harry Nilsson fucked up his vocal cords and he kept drinking, made some very bad albums. Then RCA fucked up the release of his big comeback album in 1977. It just left a gaping hole for The Stranger to walk right in there. The longer Harry Nilsson went without coming back, the braver Billy Joel got and the more he starts trying to sing and enunciate like Harry Nilsson. Listen to the song Don't Ask Me Why off the 1980 Billy Joel album Glass Houses, Nilsson. I don't know shit about that. 
You haven't listened to Harry Nilsson much? No. no. Oh, you should. Is it piano music? It's well, Harry Nilsson is a guy who does that without you song. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I'll say I definitely have heard his music. I just didn't actively before we listen to this. I can't live. I can't live anymore. That's a great song. He he does the lime and the coconut song. Yeah. Got the lime and the coconut. This dude is okay. Jump into the fire. Okay. The song from Goodfellas really is a genuinely just better Billy Joel. It's the framework for Billy Joel. Billy Joel was just like, I'm gonna do Nilsson because <laughs> Nilsson's not here doing Nilsson. And the fucking Beatles say how much they like Nilsson. Yeah. So I'm gonna do Nilsson. Now I'm gonna have that goddamn song stuck in my head. Which one? Is that That's a great song. I mean, uh, I mean, it sucks. I mean, he sucks. <laughs> Fuck him. It always reminds me of the movie Rules of Attraction that soundtracks the scene of a character killing herself in a bathtub. So it's really it very yeah, literal. That's a, that's a rough music placement right there, buddy. That's a very literal interpretation that's, of the song. Yeah. Hardcore. Uh, yeah. It, it's I've never heard that song since seeing that movie and not thought about that movie. That's a bummer. It's all right. Well, I mean, I'm dark, so I can handle it. (laughs) You are so dark. (laughs) So dark and brooding, Tyler. So the song Moving Out, that's a song you write when you find out how much money Harry Nilsson makes every time one of his songs is used as the theme song for a movie. Uh, Harry Nilsson did the theme song for Midnight Cowboy. Mm -hmm. He did a cover of Fred Neal's Everybody's Talking. Everybody's talking about me. That song. (laughs) Harry Nilsson does like the biggest version of that song. The the best version. Moving Out even has sound effects. It's got the sound effects of a car pulling away at the end. It's like Billy Joel had this whole opening credit montage planned out in his mind for the director. I'm moving out. Which is so pissed. I'm so pissed. (laughs) It's just like an 80s TV show intro song. We've moved past just being the piano man. We're like this weird... 80s synth pop guy, I guess. I think he thought, of course, someone was going to want to use this as the theme song to their movie. I think that also explains a lot of the sound effects in other Billy Joel songs. There's uh, helicopters in the war song, Goodnight Saigon. You May Be Right has the sound of breaking glass because it's the first song on the album Glass Houses. Uh, The song Allentown has a factory steam whistle sound in it. This guy puts Foley in his music to try to get people to think of it as cinematic and maybe put his war song in a movie, I think. If he can really up the uh, mental images that the music creates and attach imagery to it, it makes a deeper connection to it. Um, So... I've never seen Billy Joel live. I don't know. Does he does he do the sound effects live too? I don't know. <laughs> That'd be really fucking weird. I didn't look that up. Do you hear the glass smash? Like what if there's actually like at this point in his career, like a guy walks out on stage and like smashes oh, yeah. the glass. He does the Roger Waters thing yeah. where people come out and act out the song. <laughs> yeah. Billy Joel, these are ideas. Think of how long Roger toured this kind of stuff, buddy. You can do it too. Yeah, yeah. Fortunately for Billy in 1983, someone finally did come and ask him to write a theme song to a movie Unfortunately, it was a Rodney Dangerfield movie (laughs) called Easy Money. And Billy said yes. So he had an excuse to try to make a Wilson Pickett song, it sounds like. (laughs) Dude, do you think he just has a jar of names at yes. home yes, and I he do. would go oh I have this I have this opportunity who am I going to rip off today that is exactly what I uh, think yeah. yes Wilson Pickett I, I think he goes to his album collection and I think yeah. he just pulls random albums out throws them on the turntable and sees what sounds good that day it's like ordering from a menu in a restaurant why wouldn't you do it if people are going to let you get away with it if I cut the number of notes that are played in half <laughs> put it down a step it's mine now 
Alright kids, those of you looking at how much time was left in the episode thinking to yourselves they could not possibly fit the rest of Billy Joel's career into one episode, you're right, we couldn't. Just like Madonna, there's too much material, girl. There is going to be a part two of the Billy Joel Sucks episode. This recording session ran close to two hours. You're welcome for part one. If you had a good time listening so far, please share this half with everyone you think will also enjoy it. If you had a bad time listening, please share it with everyone you think would also hate it. Seriously, we're confident enough in who we are. We can handle it. You can get a link to this episode or any other episode on the website at yfbspod.com. Make sure to check out our merch store. Mark said he added a tip jar to the merch store. So if you don't need a new t-shirt or anything else, but you still want to say thanks and help us keep the show going, you can throw a few bucks our way in the tip jar. Mark also set up a Patreon for the podcast at patreon.com slash yfbspod. There are all these different levels and different perks and everything. I do know that the $5 a month patrons get 30% off all merchandise orders. There's a bunch of other stuff. You can go check it out on patreon.com slash yfbspod. All right, just to answer some of the questions from what we've covered so far, Billy Joel totally does have those Foley sound effects done live, but it looks like he probably just uses a recording So there's not someone going out there and smashing glass on the stage. Although I do remember there was that post-hardcore band City of Caterpillar who used to smash glass in a bucket at every show. You may be able to find videos of that on YouTube or whatever if you're looking for ideas on how to incorporate live Foley into your set. No surprise here, Billy Joel did play the terrible harmonica on Piano Man, and he does use one of those racks to play it live while also playing piano at the same time. Uh, No, just don't do this, you know? Given the choice between doing one thing poorly and two things poorly at the same time, I would say choose to do as few things poorly at a time as possible. One or none, even. This came up in the response to the Nickelback episode. If you're wondering about any references to life in the outside world, like in this one, how we say to go to a piano bar as if the world is functioning normally right now, obviously we recorded this a long time ago. I can hear in my voice the sinus infection or whatever it was I had in January. So that's how long ago we recorded this episode. There are a bunch of people watching the Nickelback video wondering why Mark and I were sitting so close together. It was recorded before we were told to not do that. As I've mentioned, we currently cannot record new episodes of the show. So everything that's coming out right now, it's just what we had in the vault. We are releasing whatever bullshit is in there. Which is why when the podcast comes back in two weeks, it's still Billy Joel because there's just that much bullshit when it comes to Billy Joel. In part two, we will wade even deeper into the miasma of individual Billy Joel songs. We are nowhere near done with the album The Stranger. We still haven't even started the fire. So stick with us. There's 